I want you to imagine the hardest week of your life. Maybe some of you don't have to imagine very far. You got that phone call at three in the morning. The one that you never thought would betray you does. Or maybe the doctor says that one word that we don't want to hear. Now imagine just for a brief moment to kind of capture how much we take this for granted. Imagine God doesn't care. Aren't you glad we have a Savior who's interested in our feeble little lives right here in Lebanon, America? Amen? Honored to be here. I kind of feel, man, with, with, with the preaching that we've heard today, I kind of feel out of place. My, my daughter's in second grade, and when she got out of first grade, one of the things that she had on her homework, she had to circle the one that doesn't belong. You know, there'd be an orange and a banana and then like a, a car. That's kind of what I feel like today, all right? The one that don't belong. It's been an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you so much for this. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about why we covet your prayers, all right? I'm from a small town. I told you yesterday, about 4,000 people. We have a stoplight and, praise God, a super Walmart. That's right, all right? And every, in a small town, listen, you can't sneeze on Main Street Without 20 minutes later, everyone else knowing you got a cold. I mean, you know everybody, okay? Well, we, I was in Walmart, and I don't know if you fellas feel like this, but I feel like it is my God-given right to irritate and annoy my wife, all right? And she's gotten used to me. That doesn't bother her anymore. We were walking in Walmart, and there was some Celine Dion song being played. And I was walking behind her singing that song really loud, but I was putting her name in it. And she had had enough because she gave me the look. You fellas know what the look is, right? The look that it looks, my wife's look looks like this. Like if she had a weapon, she would use it right at that moment, all right? So I knew she'd had enough. We got separated there in Walmart for a few minutes. And then I did what everyone here has done at a supermarket when you're looking for somebody. You walk down an aisle and you look. And I saw her, so I walked up behind her, and I hugged her from the back, and I kissed her on the ear twice, and I said, honey, are you ready to go home? And it wasn't my wife. <laughs> Brother John, I don't know why I didn't let her go. My brain said, let her go, but I just froze. She didn't hit me. She did this. I didn't know what to do, so I said, you're not my wife. She was new to town, so I told her I was from the Methodist church, and I just ran home. I didn't know what else to do right there. So pray for Pray for us that we'll get to New Mexico safely and that on our way, you know, we don't assault people. How about that, all right? Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. I was asked by our state, uh, state of Oklahoma, to come up with a new campaign or a, 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 a strategy or, or some kind of moniker or slogan to help people share their faith. And we took that very seriously after a couple months of, of praying and talking to other people uh, I was prepared to take the opinions of other pastors and then act like I came up with it. I was prepared to do that. 
But after a couple months of really praying about that, we came up with this. That we don't need a new slogan unless we're just trying to sell a t-shirt at youth camp. It's not like what we have isn't working. It's that we're not doing what we have. It would just be a complete and colossal waste of time and energy and money to come up with something new to convince people to share their faith. I mean, see if these excuses sound legitimate to you or see if they sound familiar to you. The reasons why people don't share their faith, see if these sound familiar. Well, that's not my gifting. Well, I'm shy. I'm nervous. I don't know much for I don't know very much about the Bible. It's not politically correct. People don't want to hear it. I've ruined my witness down at the workplace. I don't know what to say. And on and on and on. My preacher going up said, excuses are like armpits. Because everyone's got two of them and they all stink. Are y'all all right? When I evaluate all of those and I've, I'm ashamed to say I make my living in professional evangelism and I too have used some of those excuses God please forgive me really there's only two reasons why someone does not share their faith either you do not believe what this book says that there is forgiveness of sins that there is an, an eternal heaven and an eternal hell or you believe it and you just don't care you say, now, Ricky, that's not true. I really don't know what to say. That's not a reason. Ladies and gentlemen, if my daughter, my, I have two little girls, an eight-year-old, she's daddy's girl. All I have, she obeys the first time I talk to her. All I have to do is look at her and she gets in line. And then I have a four-year-old who's demon-possessed and is burning down our house right now. I'm, I'm convinced, all right. If I found out that one of my little angels was diagnosed with a disease that the doctors in Oklahoma didn't know how to treat, I have two options as her daddy. I could go, well, I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just hope for the best. Or I could scavenge this earth and find out something to treat my little girl. You know why? Because I care. If you don't know what to say, I believe God expects us to get our nose deep enough in that book to find out what to say. There's only two reasons why you don't share your faith. One is you don't believe, or two, you believe, and you big fat don't care. We're going to be in the Gospel of John chapter 4, and I'm going to take you a journey to a, I'm going to take you on a journey, an encounter where someone shared the Gospel and this should not have taken place by today's standards. If you don't mind, can you please stand to your feet? John chapter 4, we're going to start reading right there in verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of the ground that J Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now let me stop right there. Already we find some excuses. The Jews and the Samaritans did not mix. In fact, most of the time people would walk all the way around the city just to avoid them. They did not get along. Also, now you ladies look at me. 
This is not what we believe. Please don't say, well, Master's voice don't like women. That's not true at all, all right? Where would we be without women? <laughs> the Garden of Eden, right. Anyways, I'm, I'm just kidding. That's, that's a bad joke. Bad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's, I'm sorry. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. I'm sorry. But in this day and age, women were third-rate citizens, barely above slaves, okay? You have a female Samaritan would have never even conversed or talked to a Jewish man. This already is an encounter that we would have said, well, this is not an open door. There's no way we should share our faith here. Let's read on. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, hast thou, no, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than the father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You're darn skippy, you don't have a husband. Are y'all all right? Thou hast said, well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. Skip down to verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? With God's help today, I'm going to preach this message. Come, see a man. Heavenly Father, please. God, please, would you anoint this preacher, not because I deserve it, but because we are in desperate need for you. God, right now, I'm asking that you would change us. Lord, that when we leave, the spirit of evangelism would be so thick at Hillcrest. God, give us courage, give us faith to be silly enough to just take you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let's talk about this woman real quick. Let's deduce some things about her life. If you're here today and you are divorced, this is not kicking you in the shin. Divorce is not the end of usefulness. Aren't you glad that God can use a broken life? In fact, my God, it almost seems like he chooses. He wants to use those broken lives. Say amen. If you're here and you've been divorced two or three times, maybe you have bad taste in the opposite sex. But if you've been divorced five times, maybe it's you, all right? I don't know, all right? Can we, can we just deduce that probably this woman was at least hard to get along with, all right? In fact, the man she's with now says, uh-uh, I ain't marrying you. This is a woman of bad reputation as well, just like we talked about yesterday, of ill repute. Undoubtedly, a woman that all the daddies would tell her, his sons, see that girl right there? You stay away from women like that. She's a man-eater, son. Undoubtedly, as a woman, as a Samaritan woman, she probably did not get along with very many people in the town anymore. 
So much so that the Bible tells us she went to draw water at the worst time of the day. The sixth hour was when the, the heat of the day, people didn't go out there. It was too hot. She went there to avoid all human interaction. We do that too. I don't, this might just upset y'all, all right? But can we just be transparent? If you're in ministry, you love people, but that does not mean that we want to be around you all the time. Do you know when I go to Walmart in my hometown, I go at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Thank God for Super Walmarts, all right? I go because I know I don't have to worry about someone putting it on Facebook. I get to wear my Scooby-Doo pajama pants, my hat turned backwards, and I get to go, and my instructions are to get toilet paper, bread, milk. And $400 later, the Walmart drive, I don't know how Walmart does that, but I've got all this stuff. And I find out that a dozen other men from my church are doing the same thing. They're there trying to avoid all human contact. I see a guy in SpongeBob SquarePants. And I'm in Scooby-Doo's and he and I are pushing a cart and we look at each other and we don't even say anything. We just give each other the nod. And that nod means, buddy, I won't say anything if you don't. That's right. She did not want to deal with any. Undoubtedly, she was probably ridiculed and scorned. Her sin shoved in her face. She was not well-respected. She could not ever be a witness. She didn't know any. She was a Samaritan, knew nothing about the scriptures. Hey, y'all, she couldn't be effective for God's kingdom. I want you to see this. I'm going to try to fast forward just a little bit because I know lunch is on the brain. Look at me. She got plum excited about who she met. She got so excited that the reason she went out there, which was to draw water, the Bible said she left it there. I don't know, I don't know why you come today. Maybe you come to get mom off your back. Maybe you come because you didn't want to be that church member or that Sunday school teacher that didn't come to the conference. Maybe you come because it's Friday and you live in Lebanon and there ain't nothing else to do. I don't know why you've come. But the reason you come is irrelevant. Ladies and gentlemen, you can leave excited about the Lord Jesus. One of the reasons why our churches are no longer growing is because when lost and undone people, having tried alcohol, having tried drugs, and a list of other things, when they finally give this Jesus guy a try and they stumble into our churches on a Sunday morning, they'll probably think if they come back, they'll catch what we have. Imagine. Coming and seeing Bible-believing, sin-forgiven, heaven-bound saints, and it looks like they were baptized in straight pickle juice. Y'all, some of the meanest, cruelest, saddest people I've met in my life have been at Baptist churches. And we've got something to be excited about. We were in, I'll even tell you, the, I won't tell you the church, but we were in Ankeny, Iowa. And there ain't nothing to do in Ankeny, Iowa, but go to church and grow corn, all right? We went to this church, and I kid you not, during intermission while they were passing the plate, the pastor said, hey, man, is everything okay? I said, man, everything's great. Why? He said, well, because you're singing so loud. And I want you to know 
that we don't like laughing in church. It's irreverent. This is a place of worship, and I could not help myself. Is, is anyone else born without a filter where you say something and you wish, oh, get back in there. <laughs> said, I couldn't help myself and say, man, you are going to hate heaven. Hey, y'all, I'm saved, and I'm not sad about that. One of the reasons why our churches aren't growing anymore is because it seems like it's on our to-do list. I've got to go to the store, got to mow the lawn, I've got to go to church. Oh, man. God, I hope you just kill me if it ever gets to that point for me in my life. This woman got so excited that when she ran back to the city, she started saying to the men, remember the same men that wouldn't have any dealings with her, Come see a man. Come see a man. Y'all not listening to me. Come see this man. He's told me all the things I've ever done. Come see this man. Now, what she said was not exactly three points in a poem. What she said was not profound. It wasn't what she said. It was how she said it. All you fellas, when your wife comes in from a long day and you say, honey, how was your day? And she says, it was fine. What she said is, it's fine. But how many of y'all know that's not what she meant because it's not what she said. It's how she said it. No wonder some of our evangelizing and, and people, and when we invite people to church, no wonder it doesn't work because we invite them like this. Hey, on Sunday, it's, it's your day off. I know you, you probably don't want to go to church with me. Sorry. <laughs> well, no wonder. Well, Ricky, what if they say no? Look at me. This is going to set you free. They're going to say no. I'm so glad for my high school experience because me and rejection were close friends. That's none of your business. Anyways, <laughs> few are they who find it, but they can't say yes till they're invited. That's right. I need to pick on someone. Man, what's your name? Can I pick on you? C come up here, Obi. You know I picked on you? Because you had that look on your face that said, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. <laughs> Obi, I will give you $100 right now if your last name is Kenobi. <laughs> is it not? Yes. All right. Obi, let's say, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That's, that's one of them filter things I want back in my house. Obi, let's say that you and I are good friends and we work together. And man, I went to a revival meeting at Hillcrest Baptist Church. And I went to just to kind of get people off my back and because there was a free meal, praise God. And God got a hold of my wretched, sin-sick soul and he saved me. And I don't know much about anything. I don't know, come here from Sikkim about the Bible. All I know is that I'm not going to hell and I want my friend Obi to know that. But I work with him and my goodness, it's not popular to do and you're not supposed to talk about religion at work and all those, it's none of my business. But if he is my friend, I have to tell him, how would I keep this eternal life to myself? Isn't that a wonderful question for us to ask? So I come up to Obi and I say, Obi, man, I don't know. What is it? Is it Colby?
talk amongst yourselves for one second. You let me call him Obi seven times, and you didn't—you let me do it seven times. Here's what—here's the problem with this. No matter how good this sermon is, everyone's going to say, "Is that that guy that said Obi instead of Kobe?" It don't matter anymore. All right, Toby, Kobe, Obi, whatever your name is. I come up to Kobe and I say, Kobe, man. You're wondering who ties my shoes every morning, aren't you? I know what you're looking at. Kobe, man, I don't know much about this. All I can tell you is God did something in my life. And man, I want you to come to church with me. If you'll come, I'm gonna take you out to lunch. Not somewhere cheap like Wendy's either. I'm gonna take you somewhere nice. Like Arby's, that's right. <laughs> Colby, would you come with me? And Colby says this. Man, Ricky, that's, that's cute that you got saved. All right, listen, me and God's talk, we have our own thing worked out. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. No thank you. I said, okay, man, but you're my friend, so I'll probably be inviting you again. He said, no, don't do that. I don't want it to get weird at work. The next week, I came back, and man, John has preached another fireball of us. And by the way, man, y'all have a good pastor here. Man, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. You don't know this. You don't know this, and I don't know if he'd want me to tell y'all, but he and I arm wrestled before the service, and I put him down. Right? I, it wasn't even, it was quick. I used both hands, and he was asleep, but it, 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 it counts. The next week, I come back to Kobe and say, hey, man, what about this week? You want to come to church with me? He says, no, man, don't ask me again. Listen, you're my friend. It's going to ruin things. I'm not doing that. No matter what you say, I'm not going to come to your church. So the week after that, week three, I don't even really say it big. I just say, hey, man, how about this week? And he's almost laughing. <laughs> no. Week four. Hey, man, it's not too late. Man, Arby's lunch, I tell you what, I'll upgrade it to a steak lunch if you come with me. No, no, not even that. I, no, I'm telling you no. Week five, hey man, this week, no. Week six, unbeknownst to me. See, God loves him far more than I ever could. Unbeknownst to me, God is working in Colby's life. He is providing obstacles and storms and problems in an effort to crowd Kobe to a place where he is desperate. And I don't know that. You know why you're kind to the waitress who doesn't do a good job? Because you don't know what weight she's carrying. You have no idea that her husband just left her and her mom has cancer and she's got three babies that she has no idea what she's going to do with. Oh, listen, folks, God loves him. And sometimes those storms in our life is caused because we live in a wicked, sin-cursed, decaying world. Sometimes it's because the devil causes storms. Sometimes it's because our decisions and there's consequence of sin. Kobe finds himself in a valley in an impossible situation, and he's looking for something. 
He can't take it much longer. Week six, I come up to him and I say, hey, how about this week, man? And he says, what time does it start? I'm reminded the first time a girl said yes to me in school. I thought she misunderstood. I'm like, no, I mean in public, like just me and you. <laughs> what time does church start here Sunday morning? 10.30. It starts at 10.41, because that's what Baptist means when it says 10.30. <laughs> he says, well, maybe I'll come, but no promises. Man, can you imagine that excitement? Man, I would be praying all week long, Brother John, you better not preach a dud this Sunday morning, buddy. <laughs> Boy, you better bring the fire down. I pray that the music is on point. I pray that the cheek squeezers are in place. I hope that when Colby comes, when he, right when he walks through the door, that there's three or four old ladies ready to squeeze his cheek just like that. Do you moisturize that with softener? It don't matter. It don't matter. It's irrelevant. I'm hoping that, man, that the, the, the people are so kind to him, that the music is great, that, man, if they have donuts, it's the good kind. Please let God show up. Oh, God, would you save my friend? Can you imagine? I get to church early that morning, and I'm pacing, and I'm acting like everything's fine, but inside I'm like, oh, please let him come. Please let him come. Hey, Brother John, what are you preaching, man? Are you preaching a good one? <laughs> you better preach a good one today, John. And I'm sitting there during the first service, and it's wonderful. Man, you guys are so blessed to have a team like this. My goodness. I'm thinking, oh, that would have been great. Did you hear that one? Oh, where's he at? And I finally see Colby walk in the back, and he sits on, he sits on the back pew. No, I'm sorry. That would be taken. He sits in the middle pews. And man, I'm acting like I'm paying attention to John, but really my heart and my, my mind is on my friend. And I'm just arbitrarily saying amen. Amen! Oh, I hope I did that right. <laughs> and man, your preacher preaches the fire down. And you can tangibly feel the presence of God. And I'm every once in a while just looking back and seeing if, if he's still there and if he's paying attention. And then, I'm going to use you in just a second. Just a, are you uncomfortable? Okay. Good. All right, good. The invitation comes, and Brother John says, every head bowed, every eye closed. And I do this, but I have to just kind of peek a little bit. It's so funny that you adults don't think we see you. I love it when adult men act like nine-year-olds when they get caught peeking, and they try to act spiritual. They go, it's my favorite thing. And I'm peeking. Can you imagine the jubilation in my heart? Should I see my friend Kobe walk an aisle? And man, I'm so excited. I'm like, that's my friend. That's him. I invited him. I did that. Can you imagine that? And he comes, takes the pastor by the hand. And I don't know really what's going on. His back's turned. But man, I just kind of see Kobe's shoulders doing that. And the pastor kind of hugs him. And man, the, the little lady comes down with one of these things. And more, this is like pre-celebratory. That means something happened right there. They're probably not going to sign him up for a, a timeshare, all right? This is probably something good. And I'm thinking, can you believe it? Did he really do something like that? And the pastor says, hey, this morning, 
Toby has come, and I don't even wait for him to finish. I come, and I jump into his arms. <laughs> What's up, man? You wasn't ready. I come, and I give him a high five. Yeah, oh, that was horrible. That's right. Yeah. I'm thinking, my goodness. It took six weeks, and it was socially awkward, and I didn't have much to say, but I knew my church family wouldn't let me down. I knew the cheek squeezers would be on point. I knew the donuts would be good. I knew this band would be on point, and I knew my preacher would tell him the truth about Christ. Thank God. I don't know any different. And as a new Christian, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, my goodness, why doesn't everybody do this? I don't know any better. I'm thinking, I have more lost friends. It might take six weeks. It might take six years. But I'm going to invite him again. Colby don't know anything. All he knows is I got saved because my friend bothered me to death about the Lord. I'm going to invite somebody as well. Go get someone and bring them up, bring them up here. Come up here, honey. Come up here. What's your name? Dara, we got Dara out of the bar. Come on up here, Dara. What's your name? Corey, how old are you? I'm 15. 15, how tall are you? That's ridiculous, Corey. All your hair, look what you have to look forward to, son, all right? Just letting you know. What is it again? Corey and Dara come up. They walk an aisle. They get saved. Me and, me and Kobe look at each other. We give long distance high five. That was horrible, Kobe. Come on. <laughs> My goodness. They're not going to hell either. She got mad at me when I invited her, but I don't know why she came, but she came. Dara, Corey, Kobe, myself, we're thinking, man, Dare we ask somebody else? Why doesn't the rest of the, these people been here since Moses was going to church? Why don't people do this? Go get someone to bring them up here. Come up here. No, dare not him. Pick somebody. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey. Uh, Hillcrest. If you do this right, eventually there's going to be people. There's going to be people come to your church that don't look like you, talk like you, dress like you. They like different kinds of music. They're covered in tattoos and piercings and all sorts of things. They don't smell like you. They have all different kinds of interests in it, and their lives are going to be messy because ministry is messy. When they come in and they disrupt our little comfort zone that we have here in our little bubble at church, when this happens, this is a beautiful picture of a New Testament church. Can you give them a round of applause? Y'all go sit down. Thank you very much. An alarming statistic that we heard in our home state of Oklahoma. This was two years ago. Over 1,100 churches did not baptize one. Y'all, if you talk about Jesus, 
you can accidentally baptize a few. What, what are we doing? How dare we come to church and sing about amazing grace? How dare we say that we're going to heaven when we die? How dare we be excited about our sins being forgiven? And then we leave this church shut-lipped because it's not politically correct and people won't like it. You better wake up. All around us, amidst tornadoes and amidst all sorts of things, there are people dying and falling headlong into a devil's hell. And we are more concerned over the temperature at the conference. We better wake up. Albert, will you show that video real quick? We're almost done. Y'all stay with me. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks, and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position. After I was all done, big guy, probably about my age, big guy, and. Um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the, uh, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said... Um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show, and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition um, I thought I said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes and he was truly complimentary it wasn't in any way it didn't seem like empty flattery he was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this bible and I've always said you know that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize I don't respect that at all if you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not 
getting eternal life or whatever. And you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And... Uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Ladies and gentlemen, an atheist just shared the gospel more than most people have that are sitting in this room today. I don't know why God chose it this way. If it were me, I'd have chose something that could not fail. You know, he commands the seas and they obey. He tells the stars where to hang. He commands the wind. The only thing he's ever created that disobeys is mankind. I don't know why he grafted us into his plan, but his ways are much higher than mine. And he says, it's up to you and me to go get him. Now let's look at this and finish. She ran back to the city saying, come see a man. Come see a man. The gentlemen were saying, man, what is she talking about now? What man is she talking about this time? And what's wrong with her? I don't know either. And what she's so excited about. Whatever she's so excited about, I, I want to go see what she's talking about. Just see if you can picture this scene. She's running back to the city. She probably passes the disciples. This is a picture of the church. These are people who know what Jesus is about. They know the truth. They went to the city and they had groceries on the brain and they didn't say a word. They came out carrying some sandwiches and she's running back into the city and she probably witnessed to them. Come see this man, he's out there. They got out there. And people that don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, man, I, I can't wait. God, I, I know he does. They said, Master, would you like something to eat? 
And he said, boys, I've got meat you know not of. And the disciples didn't pick up on it. They said, oh, someone brought him a sandwich. Okay, so, oh. In this day and age, in the heat of the day, they wore these white turbans, these headdresses to keep the sun off of their head. The Bible says a multitude, many, came out from the city. And I believe wearing their white headdresses, it just looked like a cotton field swaying in the wind. He said, boys, I've got meat you know not of. Feast your eyes, for the fields are white unto harvest. Many believed that day because one insignificant Samaritan woman that no one liked, who couldn't find a husband, who has a life of failure, who didn't know anything about the Bible, who could not witness because no one really respected her. One woman got excited about the Lord. What could God do with a handful here today? We got to go get them. My prayer for this church is that your slogan from now on is not, well, I hope someone does something, but it's this, come see a man who changed my life forever. He's everything to me, and I can't answer it all. I don't know it all. All I know is if he's saved a wretch like me, he can sure save someone like you. Come see a man. So we're closing right here. If we don't, the options are, see, we've indicted ourselves. The options are, we either don't believe, or worse, we believe, and we just don't sounds like and feels like to care today before we go eat see a lot of people come to an altar to get rid of their burdens today when we come I want to ask God Lord break my heart give me a burden Lord love me enough today to let me see them like you Heavenly Father, thank you. God, I pray that you would use a simple illustration in a sermon like this from your holy, perfect, inerrant word that you would not only change lives, that you would not only give us a burden and a broken heart for the lost loved ones and acquaintances that we know, but God, that you would change the course of this community, this church, our families, and this nation. Lord, we acknowledge it's not going to be because of a politician or a celebrity God, you're going to do it through your church. So God, start it right here. Lord, in a place where your preaching is celebrated, 
in a place where your praise is just commonplace. Lord, would you do something to wake up our cold, calloused, indifferent heart that thinks that it's okay for us to just come enjoy your goodness and then go about our lives as if eternity doesn't matter for anyone else. God, shake us today. Wake us up. Lord, should we fast forward about 20 years? And should we try to picture Thanksgiving and our family dead and gone, would we be willing to say, well, they're in hell, but at least Thanksgiving was pleasant. Oh, God, would you please let us see. Wake us up. Thank you for being a good God who is mighty to save even someone so undeserving like me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? This altar's open. Maybe you need to come and for the first time in a long time. Maybe you need to shed some tears over a lost loved one. Maybe you need to come today and say, that was me. I need to come see a man today. You see, I have religion. I've got church membership. I've got certificate of baptism, but I sure don't know the Lord. Maybe that's you today. I promise you someone will come help you. As we sing, you come do business with the Lord.